And welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb. And as always, and thankfully this week, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, welcome back, sir. It's good to see you. Thank you. It's good to see you too. Thank you so much for holding it down last week. I know the solo pods are kind of weird at times, but I thought you did a great job. Appreciate the listeners sending in questions. How are you doing this week? I'm good. Uh, and thank you for that. I actually felt some uh, responsibility, whether it was good or not, just to uphold the streak. I mean, we we have not missed and, and our listeners know it. We have not missed a week since we started. And for it to be a week in which I could have, you know, had something to say of it, I wouldn't have been able to live with myself if the streak died with me and me only. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. And this is this is year three now, right? On Fields yeah. Like 45, right? Yeah, yes. I, I heard our buddy Justin Southwell, appreciate him. He gave us a shout out on the Believe in OK State podcast, which you guys should check out with Megan Robinson and Eve Batoba. But he mentioned season eight. And so I was trying to think how that correlated to years without having to look it up because I know we break the seasons up into like football and off season. Yeah, we so chunk it. Like we three and a half ball. years basically is what we're I would we're be curious right to now. know if that makes any sense to anybody other than you and me, Dustin. Like do people, I, I mean, I, I like I it. I like it because I the thesis when we did that was that the show changes co- like completely and it literally does. Like it has oh, yeah. from football to the off season to basketball to softball. So um, yeah, no, that was the whole point of that. But uh, yeah, I, this is this is year three, and it's great to be uh, back with you and glad you're back. Um, right before we get into this, I did want to take a quick break and say a thank you to sponsor the podcast, Charlie Hustle. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Charlie Hustle, a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today. And show off your school spirit all season long. With over 30 schools to choose from, they've got you covered with all of your collegiate apparel needs. So shop today at www.charliehustle.com. And when you do, use our promo code 101215 for 15% off all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. Dustin, there is a lot to get to. And you're right, a solo pod. I I, w- I was battling a sinus infection last week. Well, I had 30 minutes in me and that's what I had. So we've I got felt- more to get to. I felt bad because not only you doing a solo pod, I knew you weren't feeling a hundred percent and it was freezing cold here. Meanwhile, I I was traveling for work, but (laughs) on the other side of the world. So it's summer there. I come back. The weather's great in Oklahoma city. I had a free day that Friday after being there all week for work to kind of explore where I was at a little bit. So I, I felt bad because it was like you were, you are literally doing everything in terrible circumstances and I'm just gallivanting around in the warm weather. It was, it was a slog. I'll give you that. It was an absolute (laughs) slog to get through that one last week. I probably should have just brought the mic. I could have, I could have recorded on that free day, but I think I appreciate you holding it down. I I wouldn't have wanted to either. I don't blame you. (laughs) 
But yeah, you're right. There is a lot to get to. We wanted to start it off. You know, when we when we got into the offseason pod last year, we we would break down NFL whenever some news came up, whether that be draft, anything kind of related to Oklahoma State in the NFL. So whenever there's big news, we want to start off with NFL because we think we're starting with football, might as well start with NFL and then work our way towards Cowboy football. And the big news, Cade, it's been a little bit now since we're recording on Fridays, but the Atlanta Falcons have hired former Oklahoma State quarterback Zach Robinson as their offensive coordinator. Robinson had been with the Los Angeles Rams for the past five seasons. This was first reported by uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, by the way, that he was hired by the Falcons. Before that, he was you know, obviously in the NFL with the New England Patriots drafting him in the seventh round. He spent some time with the Seahawks, the Lions, and the Cincinnati Bengals before retiring in 2014. He was also, I, I've seen a lot of articles come out about this, and I always forget this. I, I had someone mention this to me. That's the only reason I wrote this note down. He worked for PFF, who we use for a lot of our football stats, as one of their lead QB analysts. I think it was for like two years before getting hired into the NFL. So he went straight from playing, doing his quarterback coaching, working for PFF to coaching. So it was kind of like a weird transition, I think, into coaching, but kind of cool to look back on that. I forgot about that, but I did know that about the PFF stint. I mean, my my overarching thought on Zach Robinson taking this job is, I mean, that the natural trajectory in the NFL is you're about to be a head coach. I mean, whether... I mean, Zach Robinson has been a hot name, but when you take an offensive coordinator role, you're either about to be a head coach in the NFL or at the college level. And so it will be very interesting to see what Zach Robinson's career trajectory looks like. He suddenly, in my opinion, becomes maybe one of those names that, you know, if this goes well in Atlanta, that you put on your short list for successors for Mike Gundy at some point, like it it starts to make a lot of sense. So um, for me, I think it's a fantastic, you know, obviously career move, but it's just cool to see his, you know, uh, career take that next step. He was with the Rams for almost five years. And so to see him get a change of scenery in a, uh, in a more important role will be, uh, will be really interesting. Raheem Morris too. We'll see how it goes. I, it, it's an interesting hire. I like it, but I don't know if I love it. Yeah. And it sucks for me because the Saints, personally, just selfishly to talk about myself for a second, the Saints are also looking for an offensive coordinator after parting ways with Pete Carmichael. I, Zach Robinson, to my knowledge, was one of their targets, and then he goes to their rival and my personal least favorite team, the Atlanta Falcons. So sucks for me as an NFL fan, but it's awesome. Yeah, Raheem Morris, obviously, they had a good relationship with the Rams. It'll be interesting, too, because you know Robinson was the pass game coordinator, with the Rams. And now he's taking over the full OC duties. He does have some talent on that offense and guys like Bijan Robinson, but it, you know, I don't know if Ritter's the guy at QB. So maybe yeah. they look in a different direction there. It's going to be interesting to see, but kid, whenever you see an article about, about Zach Robinson, it's always interesting. He still ranks in the top five QBs all time at OSU in like, so many statistical categories. He's second in TDs responsible for third in rushing yards by a QB. He was responsible for like 88 total touchdowns, both throwing and rushing in his career from 06 to 09. And that was when I, you know, 
most of that time period was when I was in school at Oklahoma state. So he was kind of the quarterback that introduced me to Oklahoma state football. So he's always got a special yeah. spot in my heart, along with, I think all Oklahoma state fans as those teams were solid. Yeah, no question. Zach Robinson, probably one of my all time favorite Cowboys. I mean, it was right around the time I was really starting to get way into football and, and understand it. And so yeah, Zach, uh, I think, holds a special place in my heart. So awesome to see his progression in the NFL. Speaking of progression in the NFL, Dustin, you see in college things that end up happening in the NFL, but I don't know if they happen in the almost exact way as Malcolm Rodriguez picking off Brock Purdy <laughs> in a massive game. I mean, it happened last weekend. We don't have to go too deep into it. But how cool was that? It was almost the exact same way, too. Like sliding under that that route, Purdy not seeing it, Rodriguez picks it off. And it was almost I know, I know the one in the NFL got called back because of the illegal blindside block, but it was almost like the exact same amount of yards after catch. I know he scored a touchdown in college, but I think he was like 19 yards after the pick in the NFL. And I want to say it was like 24 yards or something to score in the in college when he picked it off. So it was really funny to kind of see not only same quarterback, kind of like you said, kind of similar situation and then similar amount of yards before the penalty. But yeah, Derek Barnes for the Lions goes out with an injury. Malcolm comes in and then gets the pick. So it was really cool. It sucks that the Lions weren't able to pull that out. I, you know, I'm, I'm a Saints fan. I know you're a Cowboys fan. So didn't really have a rooting interest in the game, but always rooting for Oklahoma State players. So that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, no question. And I mean, I being a Cowboys fan, I absolutely had a rooting interest for the Lions in that game. I, I'm just right. not a the 49ers have punked us for too long. I, I can't I can't pull for them. So <laughs> I'm absolutely putting my uh, I pull the Chiefs jersey out once a year and it's in the Super Bowl uh, being in Kansas City. <laughs> I can claim that. So, uh, yeah, Dustin, it's a it was a really cool moment, I'm sure, for Malcolm Rodriguez, but definitely for Oklahoma State fans. It was funny, too. I think everybody realized it almost at the exact same time like wait that's happened before so it's pretty cool <laughs> dustin i know we can get into some other things uh namely the uh the big 12 schedule release i think we wanted to get into yeah and like as we move on to kind of the current football we might take a second on the schedule to kind of break it down we got a qu couple questions on that i did want to mention on current football as we're kind of moving into that section you probably saw this on twitter i saw he tweeted it, uh, McLean Baxley from Oklahoma State 247, go Pokes, retweeted it as well. Byron Robinson Jr. was hired to Oklahoma State. He, in his ex-bio, it says assistant DB's coach. My understanding, and I believe Robert Allen mentioned this on the radio as well, and from what I've heard, this is the defensive quality control position that was previously held by Bryce Lewis who followed Derek Mason to Middle Tennessee State. Bryce had been with Oklahoma State for two years. He came with Derek Mason. He was with Derek Mason at Auburn, and now he's going to be actually on staff as the secondary coach with Middle Tennessee. So Byron Robinson will be replacing him. So when you see that, don't think they're losing Tim Duffy or Dan Hammerschmidt or somebody like that. This is a quality control position from everything that I've been able to gain on it. Robinson was a GA last season at Tulsa. 
He was a DB coach at Northeastern. He's been a running back coach at Sioux Falls, and he played safety at Abilene Christian. So new face in the room, kind of help that defensive backfield. And it's I think it's good to kind of have some younger, newer guys come in there for a unit in the safety position that maybe underperformed last season. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, Dustin. And, you know, just from the very little I know about him, he's got a big, you know, social media following. So it'll be a uh, it'll be interesting just to see how he kind of interacts with the fans and, uh, you know, the the recruiting potential impact of that. But yeah, Dustin, this will be a good one. And uh, yeah, thanks for bringing it up. Important to clear up that, you know, this is this is a quality control guy. Yeah, for sure. All right, Cade, big news of the week. The Big 12 released their schedules, dates for all teams. That includes Oklahoma State. And just kind of a quick overview of the schedule. They'll start out in the non-con with South Dakota State at home, Arkansas at home. Then they go to Tulsa before starting Big 12 conference play with new addition Utah at home. They go away to Kansas State. They get West Virginia at home before their first bye week. Then they go at BYU, at Baylor, Arizona State's homecoming, TCU. Then their second bye week, and they wrap up with Texas Tech and Colorado. So it's going to be interesting with the two bye weeks. It's not something we've seen before. There's been a lot of bye week discussion in the past for Oklahoma State because we always get seem to get that early bye week and then have to play a string of games in a row. And, Cade, kind of before I throw it back over to you and get your general overview, I also wanted Randy D, at Randy D, that's me, our buddy Randall, who's guest hosted on the podcast before. He said, based on the schedule with two bye weeks, do you feel like the Big 12 has set us up to be in the Big 12 championship game for back-to-back years? Seems very doable if everybody stays healthy. Kate, I'm going to send it back over to you with that question and to get your thoughts. I I think my answer is that I don't think the Big 12 set it up, but I think it's going to happen. I mean, I I think that this is a, if you get through, like just now I want to get into the meat of the schedule. If you get through Utah at Kansas State unscathed, you finish up the first stretch of games with West Virginia at home, you get a bye week before going to BYU, who didn't have a great year, maybe a difficult game on the road, difficult environment at Baylor who won three games this year. You get Arizona state for homecoming and then at TCU. I mean, Dustin, that if you get through Utah at Kansas state and you can find a way to either go one and one or two and zero there, I mean, that, that sets you up because then you get another bye week before you finish up with tech and Colorado on the road. Um, I, I do think that this is a, favorable schedule for Oklahoma state. And the other thing I'll say, Dustin, it's a really fun home schedule for the third year in a row. Oklahoma state plays Arizona state. So you've already got some familiarity with that opponent, but you, you get Utah, which I think is kind of a marquee name. And then you get Arkansas, not to factor in. You also get tech at home. I, I, I think it's a sneaky, fun home schedule next year. Yeah, I completely agree. I love the home games. I think the only thing when I'm trying to look at this negatively, obviously you could, I think it's West Virginia maybe that has the bye weeks where it literally breaks the schedule up in like evenly. That would, you know, that would be nice if you could have something like that. But I don't think that's as big of a deal. I think the two bye weeks in general and how Oklahoma State has them structured will be nice. That first six game stretch will be tough, but yeah. 
I think the the one kind of negative for me as a fan and like going to the games, which I know you and I do, is the the end of the season. You get yeah BYU at Baylor, then you got Arizona State for home, then you go at TC, you get Tech at home, then you go at Colorado. So it's kind of a string of away games, four away games with two homes sprinkled in. Whereas like kind of the bulk of the home games are early in the season with South Dakota State, Arkansas, Utah, and West Virginia all coming in the first six weeks. Yeah, I didn't even really consider that, but you're right. Um, I think one of my biggest disappointments on the schedule is that Colorado is Thanksgiving weekend. Or yes, I, I I was really hoping that was early in the conference slate. You you get Colorado early in the year. Denver's beautiful in October. That that was disappointing. Um, I was hoping I may end up going to that one, but uh, I was really pulling for October in that one. Yeah. So if that kind of brings, I was going to ask you this question: It what away game do you think you would attend, or do you think is the most appealing this year? Obviously, the Colorado one is awesome. It might be kind of tough with it being the day after Thanksgiving. I know for me personally. I've told you this. I've said this on the podcast. I have not been to Manhattan. Mm. So I think that's the one I'm going to try to go to this year, but wanted to get your thoughts. It's a bit of a lion's den. I've been to a game there. It was the 20, I think that was 2016 when Oklahoma State went up there and won with Jordan Stearns picking it off in the end zone at the end of that game. And that was packed, sold out. Oklahoma State was top 10. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Kansas State's a great road environment. Aggieville is great. Um, for me, I mean, that BYU game would be a lot of fun to get to, but like one that's pretty reasonable that I've actually never had the opportunity to get to is at TCU. I, I, I've yeah. always said I'd like to get to that game. This may Fort be the Worth year I try to do it. As well. yeah. Oh, I love Fort Worth. Absolutely love it. So, I, yeah, I think BYU would be cool. I, I definitely want to do BYU sometime soon. I, I know that Park City is relatively close to Provo, which is oh, like yeah. one of my favorite places to go. My wife loves going there as well. So you can even do a little stay in Park City. Go yeah, to the game, I like the way you're talking. Type thing. So, I like the yeah. way you're talking. And after, so that was, you know, the fun question. But I think, Cade, we'll obviously do this in way more detail, probably with – a guest at some point as well, or any, every guest that we have, we'll probably talk about it, but you want to kind of go through the schedule high level yeah, and see what we're thinking. Let's, I was thinking, let's go through each kind of stretch before the bye week So that first stretch, South Dakota state, Arkansas, Tulsa, Utah, Kansas state, West Virginia. How do you think Oklahoma state, what do you think their record is when they come out of that stretch? Mm -hmm. Man, I want to say six and zero. Oh. I'll, I'll say five and one. Utah at Kansas State seems like that. That's a that's the two toughest games on your schedule, I think. Um, but I mean, it's it's five and one, six and zero oh, to me. And um, yeah, I think South Dakota State. That's going to be one that a lot of people are picking uh, either an upset or a really close game. That one doesn't bother me so much. That'll be a big game for yeah. them. But I think it's a, I think people are getting a little bit over their skis there. And I don't want to cut you off because I didn't even let you go through all the games, but just on that South Dakota State game for a little bit, there, there are obviously are reasons why that game worries me. They get their quarterback back, who was, I think, the Walter Payton player of the year in FCS. 
they've won back-to-back FCS championships. But on the other side of things, I know they have two offensive linemen in one of the all-star games. Their running back is in one of the all-star games. So those guys are not coming back. I believe they're losing multiple guys on defense. They lost their offensive coordinator to Northwestern. And it's the first game of the season. So Oklahoma State will be preparing for that game. I honestly think even though Arkansas was not a good team last year, I think their coach is on the hot seat after being retained. I think that would be more of kind of like your trap game. I don't think they're going to come out unprepared for South Dakota State. And I know Oklahoma State has looked bad in openers at times against lower competition or in non-conference games. I mean, looking back just to South Alabama last year, but I did want to just mention, you know, with those kind of caveats and it being the first game of the season, I would honestly be more worried about dominating South Dakota State and then having a letdown game the next week at Arkansas or yeah, at I mean, home against Arkansas. Arkansas is going to be a challenge only. I mean, they're, they're going to be able to match up with you in the trenches. Skill talent, they're going to be, I mean, they'll be on par with you. I don't think they're going to be very good at quarterback. I, I don't think they're very good at head coach. Uh, and so, I mean, they're going to travel well. They're going to sell a ton of tickets and they'll probably come in thinking that they can win that game. That will be a really fun one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't even really want to go through all of the, you know, games individually. I cannot wait for Yeah, just off. that. That's going to be think awesome. six and oh yeah, in that stretch. Yeah. I I think I think they're gonna drop one there. And I think I think it might be K-State. I think they look great through the first four. I they pull out a game against Utah. And I think the K-State game is one of those games where Oklahoma State won a bunch of close games this past season. I think they they lose. I think their luck doesn't run out, but I think they kind of, you know, goes back towards the mean a little bit, and they lose a close one at K State, and they have that one loss, beat West Virginia, and then head into the bye week with that one loss. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's probably the correct pick. I just I'm not so sure about K State. We'll see. I'm not. I'm not in that next stretch, Cade. I'm not really worried about anybody there. At BYU, I think it's tough just because it's at BYU. We saw that Oklahoma State play them close this past season. But if you remember the weather from that game, and I remember it because I still complain about it to this day, (laughs) was terrible. I think they take care of BYU. I think they take care of Baylor. And then Arizona State for homecoming, I think, is a perfect team to play in homecoming. I think they take that. I I, I see them winning all three of those. Maybe a little worried about the BYU game, but I think they take all three of those. Yeah, I agree. Um, At TCU, though, what do you think about that one? So this last stretch, and I know that one's before that second bye week, I think think they may drop that TCU game and then finish out the last two games after the bye week back in Colorado with victories to finish in and two. But I see them back in the Big 12 championship game with that record. Yeah, I mean, 10 and two and win the Big 12 and you're in the playoff. So that, that, that would work. I mean, I, yeah. who do you, okay. So you, I didn't want to cut you off. You may have had a thought there. Here's the thing. I, I don't want to get too into it. Cause we're going to go, I mean, right. you and I are going to do a depth chart podcast. We're going to have Lund on to preview spring football, talk about the signing class. So I don't want to go too into detail, but kind of my overarching high level take on Oklahoma state football, which I mean, probably not a great take. My predictions have been wrong a lot of times, but I think the offense will improve getting the offensive line back, having Bowman back, 
having most of your receivers back, you know, you're losing Leon Johnson, but you're getting into John Stribling back. Ollie Gordon's coming back. You're losing Josiah, but replacing him with the Tyler Foster. So I think the offense will improve. The thing on the defensive side of the ball is from what they did in the portal and what they have on the roster, I'm a little worried still about the defensive line, which we've seen is kind of the root cause to some of the other issues on the defense. You and I've talked defensive line a lot this past season. So I'm just, a, you know, if, if they would have maybe grabbed a couple of guys in the portal or if, you know, Brown and Julio Johnson maybe get a little bit more snaps this season to where I could see a little bit more for them and be able to kind of predict a little bit better how they're going to perform this year. I would have no problem saying 11 and one, and maybe even looking at a potential undefeated season based on this schedule. But those are my worries. And that makes me think 10 and two, where they improve a little bit from last season, but it's mainly driven by the offense because I'm just yeah. scared about the defensive line. I think it's going to be a bit of a a flip from what we've seen over the last several years where you know they they attempt to control the game with defense and ball control. I think they're going to be a little bit explosive on offense. I think they're going to have to be. And to your point, Dustin, they have not filled as many of the gaps as you would have hoped on the defensive line. And a team like Utah and a team like Kansas State, where they're equal with you in the trenches, we'll get a good preview of this against Arkansas early on, who likes to run the ball. We'll see, we'll see what that defensive line looks like. And so, you know, we'll recalibrate as we uh, you know, get further into the offseason and see what they the roster shakes out to be. But yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think that this is a um I mean, I think it's a Big 12 contending team, but this isn't one of the teams like a 2017 that you enter the season or even a 20. 19 where you enter the season you're like yeah this is this should be the champion going into the season i don't know if they're there yet but i don't know if anybody is so yeah no i agree so 10 and 2 is that our I think consensus that's, or do you want to change no, i think that's consensus i i, you I could think talk so. me into it you're smarter than me you could talk me into something different if you want no i think it's i think it's that's my pick for that for now okay we'll go 10 and 2 which it seems like Cade, a lot of the outlets the oklahoma state outlets that were uh, looking up Mike Gundy's contract buyout information as uh, recent as, you know, in the middle of last season, they're mm. going with 10 and two as well. So 10 and, two seems, 10 and two seems good. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad everybody's on board. What's At the buyout point, anyway. for back to back 10 win big 12 championship <laughs> appearing seasons. What's that buyout? Right. Hey, we're be- now we're just being a little petty, but it, it is fun to throw a little shade sometimes when, when we were much closer on our predictions, even yeah. after that scary start. It's easy from the catbird seat, that's for sure. Yes, exactly. Okay, so that's it on current football. Wanted to hit some quick recruiting notes, and then we'll get into some transfer portal and talk a little basketball. So, Cade, football recruiting-wise, I know we don't normally talk about preferred walk-ons, but when it's a quarterback, I think it's... Sometimes you got to mention it because we've seen... Oklahoma State play walk-ons at quarterback in the past as, you know, long ago it's a Taylor Cornelius type of player. And we know that the walk-ons are a huge part of practice with the scout team and kind of simulating what Oklahoma State's opponent does each week at that position. So quarterback Garrett Wilson in this upcoming class, so he'll be coming in with uh, my, my Milwaukee Smith in this upcoming class, Got the preferred walk-on spot. He's 6'2", 205 pounds from Oklahoma Christian Schools. 
he said that he recently talked to Coach Rate. He was going to be going on, I believe it was a visit to Southeastern in Weatherford and East Central in Ada, but he canceled both of those once Coach Rate called him. At OCS, he was 319 of 558 for 5,259 yards, 58 touchdowns, and just 16 picks over his career. He did say he grew up an OU fan. His dad, Keith Wilson, actually played for Coach Barry Switzer at OU, but he's excited to kind of switch to the orange and black. So it'll be cool. You know, we've had guys like Peyton Thompson, who we've heard a lot about being an awesome scout team quarterback. So hopefully Garrett Wilson is kind of that next guy in line for Oklahoma State at the scout team preferred walk-on quarterback position. Yeah, and I mean – if you're scout team quarterback and you do a good job, you'll get shouted out on this pod regularly. We we've, we've uh, been doing that, but yeah, Wilson's an interesting, you know, I mean, I, interesting in the fact that local kid, his dad's an OU guy. Um, and he's making that switch. That's a cool story. Um, it probably softens the blow that they're no longer in the same conference for his dad, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with his career for sure. Yeah, I agree. Next, Cade, you know, we've gotten some questions about newly hired defensive line coach Paul Randolph's recruiting acumen. And we know like he has the experience as a coach and he's coached in several different schemes, which we've talked about on here, which I'm still working on a Twitter thread on, by the way, as well, which I will try to get out sometime soon. But I wanted some quotes from a Hoax Report article on Randolph. So this is from Coach Gundy on Coach Randolph said, everybody that I've talked to, people in the Nick Saban camp and all across the country have told me he's a position coach that could be a coordinator. He's a technician, and he's an excellent recruiter, really connects with prospects and their families. Everywhere I went in Texas, coaches have raved about Coach Randolph. They said, Coach, he's a good one, and we really like Coach Randolph. Everybody knows and likes him. Kate, even personally, I found out that we talked about Keith Patterson, who Randolph has worked a lot with in the past who's been the dc at a lot of randolph stops and kind of followed him i have a friend shout out to my buddy shane who knows coach patterson's daughter their acquaintances she had similar thoughts on coach randolph said coach gundy called her dad and was kind of just praising coach randolph so not only are we hearing it from coach gundy but hearing it secondhand (laughs) personally from someone we know on the podcast so it's pretty cool, but he's got a defensive line kind of weekend coming up this weekend and has gotten out some recent offers to some guys that Oklahoma State was not looking at in the class of 2025 and guys that are not from the normal area where Oklahoma State recruits. So wanted to get into those, but just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on Coach Gundy's comments about Randolph. Yeah, well, when the word on literally on the street is that Randolph is awesome and that Gundy can't stop talking about it, I really like that. I'm 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 not going to say what I want to say because, you know, it's early and Oklahoma State, you know, is in year two with Brian Nardo. But I mean, this is a guy that's been doing this for a really long time at a high level with a lot of experience. And so um, I, I can't wait to see what he does on the recruiting trail to see if that follows the same kind of vein that we talked about that he was responsible for at Texas Tech or at least heavily involved in at Texas Tech. It will be very interesting to see what they are able to do. I mean, with the transfer portal as well, 
you know, can you can you reload within one year on the defensive line? That will be my question and probably Randolph's biggest challenge. Agreed. And so let's get into some of those guys that I was talking about. The first one, and these are all 2025 guys. Marion Dye, 2025 Edge, 6'5", 235 pounds from Elkhart High School in Elkhart, Indiana. So this is kind of what I'm talking about. Recruiting, this is a guy that he had offered in Indiana who he's now offered at Oklahoma State. He's a three-star, number 39-rated Edge, number six-rated player in Indiana. He had over 40 tackles and four sacks this past season in his offer list. He just got one recently from Oklahoma State. It includes Cincinnati, Louisville, Duke, Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue, OU, USC, Wisconsin, many more. Next, Alexander McPherson. I really like this guy a lot. Defensive lineman, 6'4", 245 pounds from IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. He's not rated right now, but he's a bigger defensive end project, whereas Dye is probably more of your edge that can be that Leo, Jack, Colin Oliver type role. McPherson is more of kind of your hand in the ground. Think he can bulk up a little bit defensive end who also has a lot of athleticism. He's on an unofficial visit to Oklahoma state this weekend. He's got offers from Michigan, Indiana, Michigan state, Pittsburgh, a guy I really like as well. So Cade, what it's interesting. Like right when Randolph comes in, not only does he continue the recruiting with the guys Oklahoma State was already recruiting and try to continue those relationships from the from the Greg Richmond tenure. But he's also going after some guys who I don't think Oklahoma State would have offered if he wasn't there. Some I of think, these guys from where he's fr- from in his last stop. I think you just answered it with, with your last comment right there. Like going into uh, IMG Academy is not a traditional Oklahoma State recruiting move. They've done it before. But for it to happen so quickly as as Randolph has taken over, I think is an indicator. And, you know, for him to be, you know, you were talking about Alexander McPherson, for him to be, you know, associated with the Michigans of the world scrolling down, you know, he's got a an impressive kind of seems like a budding recruiting profile. And then Marion Dye. He'll be ranked soon. Yeah, I think so. And then Marion Dye is a guy that like that seems more like the classic Mike Gundy, you know, recruit, but he's from Elkhart, Indiana, not from, you know, Connolly, Texas. So uh, really interesting. Yeah. Obviously you can tell I'm trying to shape a narrative to get some positive (laughs) on, on Randolph's recruiting status, but I do really like these guys. I was able to watch a little bit of film on them. I mean, you're basically friends with them. So what am I going to say? You know, (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So flipping to just other recruits, not related to defensive line that have gotten offers recently, Anthony Ogumaro is how you say his last name. He's a 2025 offensive tackle, 6'5", 290 pounds from Elgin High School in Elgin, Oklahoma. Not ranked right now. He was previously at White Oak High School and has transferred into Elgin. And Mike Gundy recently visited him at Elgin. So he's got offers from Cincinnati, Duke, North Carolina, and Tennessee, as long along with Iowa State and Tulsa, look like they're about to get in on him. And then the last one I wanted to mention is Jasper Parker, running back, six foot, two hundred pounds from Archbishop Shaw in Marrero, Louisiana. He's a three star, number forty rated running back, number eighteen rated player in Louisiana. He has reported a forty time of four five, so he's got some speed. He's a basketball player, runs track. 
He was at New Orleans Jesuit, which you might be familiar with. It's a pretty big school in New Orleans and has just moved to Archbishop Shaw. He's got offers from Penn State, Texas Tech, Ole Miss, Tulane, Florida State, Duke, Georgia Tech, Houston, Arkansas, and Louisiana Tech right now, along with Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's that's an impressive offer list. I can't believe he's flying under the radar, I mean, from a national perspective, with an offer list like that, usually the, the extra star just it comes naturally. So yeah. really interesting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, wonder what Oklahoma State's chances are there. Um, and I mean, it even looks like just a couple of days ago, I don't know if you said this, but offered by USC, it looks like. So he's he's in with some, some big names. Yeah, and, you know, with the success Oklahoma State has had at the running back position – with two guys getting a lot of playing time and Justice Hill and Chuba Hubbard in the NFL right now, Ollie Gordon just winning the Doak Walker. I think the running back recruiting is in a good spot yep. in the current time being with Coach Waz running that. Yeah, I man, isn't that funny too? There was questions around it like a year ago and all of a sudden yeah. you got a Doak Walker award winner and a stable. So Didn't even mention Jalen Warren as well. But yeah, Right, right. Unofficial visits wise, we'll run we'll run through these quick since these are guys we've we've probably already talked about on the podcast or if, or you know we'll talk about if they commit in more detail. Hudson Ball, 2025 edge, 6'2, 230 pounds from Jinx. He's not rated right now. He visited last Friday. Sam Stone, safety, also from Jinx, six foot, 210 pounds, not rated right now. Visited last weekend. Jackson Chanel. I think it's how you say it. He's a quarterback in safety, 6'4", 240 pounds from Newcastle High School. Really, really talented baseball player. A guy who, if he were to come to Oklahoma State, might play baseball and football. And then rounding out with Michael Turner, the running back, 5'11". I really like this guy a lot. 190 pounds from Richland High School in North Richland Hills, Texas. He's a four-star, number 12 rated running back, number two. 26 rated player in Texas. He's got some pretty big offers right now. Arizona State, Baylor, Colorado, Duke, Houston, KU, OU, Oregon, Texas Tech, Wisconsin. He visited last Saturday. And then this past Wednesday, Jaden Sanders, the 2025 safety, sticks to 172 pounds from Kilgore High School in Kilgore, Texas. Not rated right now. He just recently visited. And I think he's one of the kind of top prospects right now for coach Brian Nardo. So that's kind of wrapping up the recruiting who's visiting, who they've recently offered. And we'll continue to kind of update that for 2025 as it, as it progresses. That's a great breakdown, Dustin. Pr appreciate that. Jackson Chanel, two sport athlete. We love that. So yes. uh, it would be really cool. I, when's, is, do you know the last one off the top of your head that played football, baseball at Oklahoma state? Nolan McLean. I guess you could count, yeah. but he ended up only doing that for one season, right? And okay. then he kind of yeah. quit. Yeah. I think Nolan McLean. Great recall there. That was a that was <laughs> not a softball question. <laughs> I think he's the last one that actually did it. I know some guys have kind of like participated in spring and then yeah. gone away. So but um or I guess not participate in spring, participate in summer. So wrapping up recruiting. Let's move on to transfer portal. couple quick notes. Again, we'll continue to mention this. The portal opens back up in mid-April. It'll be open for 15 days in that time period. I would think a couple of guys from Oklahoma State maybe jump in after seeing how kind of spring in the beginning of the semester has gone. But we'll we'll update that as we see people hop in there. First note, Gunnar Gundy re-entered the transfer portal. 
He had moved into an apartment, settled in with classes, going through off-season workouts with Ohio University. And as of January 23rd, he's back in the portal. I know you mentioned this a little bit last week. Just kind of wanted to throw it out there. Cade, what are if you had to guess, what are the chances, like percentage chances, that he just winds up back at Oklahoma State? Oh, yeah, well, they're not zero. Um, I don't know if they're high, though. I mean, that would be really strange. I mean, if you got enrolled somewhere else, that would be really strange. But, I mean, they're definitely not zero with his ties to the school. So um, it wouldn't surprise me. Did Did you also get trolled by the Alabama recruiting uh, <laughs> meme that was <laughs> swirling around? I did see that. That was really funny. That person took it to a next level because I think they're – Next tweet from that account was an exact copy of Gunnar Gundy's previous tweet as well. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's not <laughs> so it was not a cool. super troll. I know it I got a lot of that people. kind of trolling. Yeah. You know that, I love a good troll. So I, I love know. that. Yes. Yes. Uh moving on, Nick Session. So I hadn't seen this reported. It's not on the on three transfer portal. I don't I didn't see it on the two four seven, but according to New Mexico State's football roster, Nick Session has transferred. Former Oklahoma State safety Nick Session has transferred to New Mexico State. So, Kate, that just kind of goes along with looking at this transfer out class compared to last year's. You see Jake Henry at Stephen F. Austin, Ricky Lolahey at Utah State, Valami to Oklahoma Baptist, Ladarius Webb to South Alabama, Nick Session to New Mexico State, Blaine Green to Stephen F. Austin, you have Jaden Bray to West Virginia and DJ McKinney to Colorado, but I would almost call those like lateral moves, if not slightly down from Oklahoma State. No major jumps up like we saw a Jabbar Muhammad leaving to take a bigger NIL deal at Washington in the past. You know, we saw a JP Richardson leaving to take a bigger NIL deal and an increased role at TCU. Nothing like that this season for Oklahoma State yeah. as we kind of. I mean, that, I think that kind of wraps it up at, at least until the April window. Yeah, that's a really good point. We've kind of even spoken about it in that in those terms previously that, you know, there there has not been that blockbuster transfer. I mean, you know, I think the one that maybe stands out the most to me is like a Blaine Green. But even then, you know, you, you completely get why a guy like that would transfer. And so, um, yeah, I think Oklahoma State. And he went down a level. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think they've done a fantastic job of roster management this season in this type of environment. Agreed. Last note on Transfer Portal. Oklahoma State has a visitor this weekend, confirmed by Pokes Report and 247, Dwayne Lofton from Virginia Tech. He's got one year of eligibility remaining, and I, I, he has not redshirted yet, so he could also use a redshirt season. He played in all 13 games for Virginia Tech this, fa this past season. 5'11", 189 pounds. He entered the portal when it opened, but still played in Virginia Tech's military bowl win against Tulane and had a fumble recovery in this game. He's very versatile. So 85% of his snaps this past season were in the slot. He played 198 total snaps. In 2022, which was his most productive season, 549 total snaps. He only played 22% in the slot. So he was more outside. And then in 2021, his first season at Virginia Tech, 164 total snaps and 74% were in the slot. So he's kind of gone slot outside, back to slot. 
35 receptions on 67 targets for 410 yards, three TDs over three years. The bulk of that was from the 2022 season, as what I mentioned. He did have five drops in that 2022 season, which isn't great on that number of targets. It's kind of a high drop percentage. But he seems like the perfect fit to play that backup slot receiver was- role to Brennan Presley and to be that H guy. And if Oklahoma State wants him, I think they'll get him. He only has reported offers from Alabama A&M, Bethune-Cookman, Boise State, and Delaware from what I've gathered. And he's also a guy that can fill in right away on special teams. He's got kick return experience as a return man, and he also played on kick coverage, punt return, and punt coverage. Yeah, I think you you nailed it. It, it To me, it's like because Arlen Bruce didn't pan out, this is, this is kind of your Arlen Bruce – replacement that's the way it seems to me it seems like they've been trying to fill this role too uh with the kid from louisville that that they had in a visit that they've they've been trying to do this so uh yeah great breakdown there dustin i think he's got some interesting traits like he seems really athletic i'm surprised he only has you know 35 catches 410 yards in his entire career i think oklahoma state could uh could use him and and maybe unlock some things for him so yeah, and okay, the problem is with how much Oklahoma State utilized formations with a tight end or a fullback on the field, so only going three receivers, and with Brennan Presley being your guy and playing that slot position, you're not going to be able to, you're most likely not going to be able to go out and get a really, really talented, awesome slot receiver because that guy's going to want to play. Yeah, And Brennan Presley doesn't ever come off the field so I think this is kind of the perfect guy, whereas probably a step down from Arlen Bruce, but definitely more experienced than a Tyke Andrews, who you'd probably have up next on the depth chart at the slot at this time. Maybe a Jalen Pope, maybe a Cam Hurd. I, I think those guys are all pretty versatile and can move around positions. But now you've got a guy going in his fourth year in college football who has special teams experience and has played well on special teams that can come in and be your guy if Presley needs a blow. And God forbid if Brendan Presley were to get hurt, now you aren't relying on guys who barely played any snaps at all. This guy has power five college football experience. Yeah, I I love it. I I think he would be a good fit. And uh, yeah, love everything you just said there. Okay, I think that's all we got on football. I'm ready to move on to basketball if you are. Uh, I'm not. Um, I mean, (laughs) this is really bad. I... uh, I mean, you have to kind of start with the fact that they got their first win over West Virginia last Saturday. It's a good thing to not to, you know, move right past it back into the negative. But I mean, with Bryce Thompson tearing his labrum yesterday, Mike Boynton announced likely going to miss the rest of the season um, and coming off of a 30 point loss at Allen Fieldhouse. I'm struggling to see a remaining win on the schedule for Oklahoma State I think their best shot is probably this Saturday against Kansas State but they're not favored in this game they shouldn't be FPI doesn't project it Kim Palm doesn't project it as a win and so Dustin I mean they're to the point where you're 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 at nine wins on the season you're at one conference win and the rest of your schedule I would just was looking at it here includes one two Three, four, five, six out of seven, eight, nine, ten games. Six of your last ten are against ranked teams. And Oklahoma State, I mean, you know, with the injury to Bryce Thompson, 
the lack of uh, you know, movement of the ball anyway. This is th- there is a potential that this is the worst basketball season in uh like several decades. Yeah, I think you laid it out perfectly, Cade. What you do every week, your bas- your basketball overview is always top notch. But I your call out on the ranked opponents and looking at Ken Palm, <laughs> there are only two games on the schedule that Ken Palm gives Oklahoma State above a 30% chance oh to win. Gosh. What which are those? Is that tomorrow it's, in UCF? It's Kansas State tomorrow. And then it is UCF. Yes, he called it perfectly on February 28th at home. Both of those are at a 45% chance. Every other game is 30% or below. And there are one, two, three, four, five games and six games that are 18% chance or below to win for Oklahoma State. And that just goes to show you not only is the Oklahoma State's team struggling, Bryce Thompson goes down. But this is how good the Big 12 is. Yeah. And is going to continue to be, even losing OU and Texas, you got Houston, Texas Tech, BYU. It's just a Cincy's lot of good, good teams. Year. They're, a, they're a bubble team. I mean, yeah, Dustin, you, you nailed it as well. And I mean, the addition of Houston into this conference is uh, almost a, a – you just have to laugh at it because it was already so tough. But now you've got, I mean, four top 15 teams in, in this conference. And I actually think it may be five. So, um, you know, Oklahoma State's got to get a win tomorrow against Kansas State, a team that they really probably feel like they should have beaten in Manhattan already. Um, that that one is fresh. That was only uh, a week and a half ago. Uh, so they probably feel like a little bit of a revenge factor is in store. I may take them to win that game, as a matter of fact. But... You go on the road to Houston, on the road to Oklahoma. Then you don't have a weekday game, and you get BYU at home. BYU ranked. They've had a really nice season. You just struggle to see where the next wins come from to prevent them from, uh, you know, not having a you know two and sixteen type of season. So, uh, yeah. it's it's a sad state of affairs, Dustin. I mean, you know, broadly. You know, zooming out outside of, you know, this specific season. I mean, what do you think it takes? Um, I mean, do you think they make a move at the end of this year? Let's say they win two conference games. Do you think that they make a move? So I said no earlier this season, but I think you and I had the projected total around five. Yeah. Is what we were putting the over underline on. So if they finish with one conference win and let's say they get knocked out right away in the conference tournament, that, I mean, it's going to be hard to justify not making a change. The problem is, you know, I, I saw Marshall Scott on Pistols Firing point this out. Eric Daly Jr. has played a ton of minutes this season. Brandon Garrison has played a ton of minutes. These are guys that you like a lot. And if you if you get rid of Mike Boynton, they're probably gone. And I'm not saying you keep Mike Boynton because of that. But I think realistically, when you look at it, it's a complete reboot for this Oklahoma State program. And maybe that's what they need, but you are probably going to be starting over from scratch to the point where next season, no matter what you do coaching-wise, it's probably going to be a struggle as well because that coach is going to need to rebuild from basically nothing. I mean, Coach Boynton talked about it on his radio show yes last night. 
they only have nine scholarship guys now on the roster without Thompson. Thompson, a guy who was averaging 12.2 points per game and shooting 30, like 35-ish percent from three and contributed, you know, on the defensive end ha- is gone now. So nine scholarship players, if Boynton leaves, you there's a strong chance you lose guys like Garrison and Daly to the portal. It's just going to be a complete reboot, but if you made me bet right now, if they don't win another game, yes, I think they may be going a different direction. Yeah, I think they're going to have to. I mean, I I uh, said it on Saturday when it looked like that they were going to lose that West Virginia game and they ended up pulling it out. I think it, that was a really nice thing to see. But, it, I mean, if you would have lost that game, that the chances of this, the wheels coming completely off are extremely high. You know, and Dustin, I... I, I I hear you on the, you know, the rebuild factor. And I, but I look at Texas Tech a little bit. Like last year, they go five and 13 in the Big 12, 16 and 16. Mark Adams gets fired and they immediately go out and they hire Grant McCaslin from North Texas and they are 16 and three. They are right in the thick of it in the Big 12. And what they did was they brought in a ton through the transfer portal. And uh, I think Oklahoma State. You know, I don't know what their NIL prowess looks like right now in basketball. I don't know their even ability to buy out a coach. But um, the rebuild doesn't concern me. I think the the status quo concerns me much greater than making it. Yeah. So. No, I, that's a great point. That's a good call. out. I, it sucks to have these conversations yeah, it does. about Oklahoma State basketball. I wish this would have been a rebound year, but – you know, maybe like you're saying, it might be the time to reboot, kind of move in a different direction. So yeah. you don't have another season like this with the same kind of coaching staff unit and everything going into next season. Yeah. I mean, and, and I don't even, Mike Boynton's just, he hasn't won enough games, you know, like you look at even the, the year he had Cade Cunningham, they were able to beat Kansas that year. They beat Baylor twice. Like, they they have not done anything like that since then. And so, yes, it does suck uh, to have these conversations, but uh, they're the conversations that are happening right now. So uh, let's let's move on. I don't want to bum everybody out, bum myself out by talking about it much more. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. So, Kate, before we get into questions, we got a, we've gotten several DMs, several questions over the past couple of weeks about what kind of what happened to the Cowboy Roundup. Are we going to talk? you know, tennis, wrestling, things like that, baseball, softball. So just to kind of recap on what we talked about after the end of the football season, we love all Oklahoma State sports. I have I think I've missed only a couple wrestling duels that have been broadcast on ESPN Plus this year. Very locked in. I'm not, you know, an expert on wrestling. But whenever we have time, we will definitely talk other sports. We are just trying to keep these podcasts to more in the hour hour 15, 45 minute ish range in the off season. So we have enough steam when we get to football season to continue giving you guys those two, two and a half hour long podcasts, because the podcasts in the off season were running a little long last year and not to complain or whine because we love doing it. We were just running out of time a little bit, but you know, for example, cowgirl tennis, four and oh, they, they've beaten multiple ranked opponents, three wins coming against top 15 ranked opponents. They host Pepperdine tomorrow morning at home at 11 a.m. You should definitely go check that out. 
their recent wins in the ITA kickoff earned them a spot in the ITA Indoor National Championships in Seattle, which take place from February 8th to February 12th. It's their best start since the 2022 season. Kate, I was actually planning on going with my mom and my daughter on Saturday morning. That's awesome. Had some plans change. Oh. But there's a couple more duels at home where you can check out Oklahoma State. They play inside when it's cold, obviously, so you don't have to sit in the cold. It's a brand new facility, the Greenwood facility. So definitely go check them out. But just kind of wanted to give a little recap on how we're handling these offseason pods. We will still make time for baseball and softball for sure. But any other sports outside of that, it'll just have to be on a, you know, if we can fit it in basis. Chris Young has been the head coach at Oklahoma State for 14 years. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of good coaches in Stillwater, but he's probably up there with some of the ones that you may not know enough about. I mean, he's been there 14 years and they are, uh, they are constantly winning a lot. And so I'm not the biggest tennis guy. I don't know the most about it, but, uh, he certainly deserves a lot of credit and a shout out from us. I mean, for what he's done to that program. I mean, the facilities are fantastic. I think they have the big 12 player of the week, like the past three weeks or something like that as well. And I think it's been a different player. They actually, I watched one recently on ESPN plus they're a little hard to watch on ESPN plus from like just the viewpoints for yeah, from behind and and no side angles. No, nothing. Yeah. Well, and the matches go on at the same time in Mm. college tennis. So there's three matches going on, which is awesome. Listening to the players talk about, they say like if something big happens in a match next to them, positive for Oklahoma State, it'll like pump them up on their next That's point. Cool. So it is really cool. But yeah, we're here to talk other sports when we have time. So wanted to give Cowgirl Tennis a shout out because they have been awesome. Yeah, good, good stuff, Dustin. They deserve it. We want to say a quick thank you to sponsor the Feels Like 45 podcast, Classic Overland. Classic Overland specializes in restoring original Land Rover Defenders designed with your unique style and specifications. They go to great lengths to find quality vintage Defenders before they begin the restoration process, and their team of experts will guide you through the various exterior and interior options to create the perfect build. Our friends Luke Reed and Robert Dennis of Classic Overland are both Oklahoma State graduates and will work with you through the process to ensure you have a great experience. And in addition, if you purchase a Classic Overland Defender and mention this podcast, the Feels Like 45 podcast, their team will donate a portion of the proceeds to the Pokes with a Purpose NIL Collective. To learn more, you can visit their website, classicoverland.com, and you can contact Luke and Robert at robert at classicoverland.com. Thank you. Go Pokes. All right, moving on to questions. Well, I think we've got like five or six. We'll try to hit them all real quick. Pistol Rick, our guy at Pistol Rick says, I've been driving the Zane train since 2022. I can't imagine Vanilla Vic isn't QB1 next year, but what are the odds we see floors at some point next season? And Cade, before I throw it back over to you, this is in reference to Robert Allen. I believe it was on the radio the other day mentioning that Alan Bowman has said that Zane Flores is more talented than him. Robert Allen saying that everybody in the program knows that floors is probably the next guy up. So what are your thoughts on if we see floors at some point next season? Ooh, I, we will do you, I mean, 
we know Mike Gundy's uh, appreciation for loyalty to the program. So Garrett Rangel's been around a long time. I don't know what it takes for Zane Flores to supplant him in terms of like the next guy off the bench in a blowout, but we're going to see Flores. We're going to see him, and and I pray it's not in the three-quarterback system, but that may be when we see him. <laughs> yeah, so here's kind of my take. I have the same thoughts as you, and just to kind of extend on a little bit, if we see Flores or even Rangel, and it's not due to a Bowman injury, which I'm not, I'm not hoping for, but that would lead me to believe that the season isn't going as planned. I would, you know, totally RA talks agree. about Bowman wanting to be as talented as Flores. And I think that makes complete sense because Flores is a freak. We've heard about him working out with other position units besides quarterbacks because he's like too strong and wants that challenge with Coach Glass. We've seen his arm. We know he can play. I did the breakdown on his high school film, I watched like four of his games. Very talented player. But if he takes over in the middle of the season, all signs point to Bowman not performing well or getting hurt. And I don't want either of those things to happen. So love the question pistol, Rick. And I think Kate, I agree with you. I think he might be QB two that we see in a blowout, but if we see him take over as QB one, that would mean probably not positive things. Yeah, to me I totally in the middle I of the season. Completely agree with you. Uh, Tyler wheat at Tyler wheat seven says, since we are officially cornhole, you now with the dynasty in the works, does that mean we automatically own rights to say we have the best tailgating in the country? If you don't know what Tyler is talking about, the Oklahoma State Cornhole team recently brought home a national championship. They have the largest cornhole club in the country. They've said they practice weekly. They play tournaments outside of like official tournaments as a team. And they play all the time, just recreationally. They've played in several tournaments and they play second nationally last year. That experience helped them to come back and win this whole thing. I think they were third, maybe three years ago. So they've continued to improve. I, it sounds like a dynasty in the works to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I actually didn't know this. I was in Dallas all week for a work meeting and I was hardly even on Twitter at all. So I didn't even know this, but I'm now seeing people demanding a banner to be hung in Gallagher Iba Arena. What actually has to happen for a banner to be hung? Because I might agree. Like, I mean, we do it for pretty much everything else. I mean, is this what Mike Boynton was talking about when he said we were going to hang a banner someday? I believe, <laughs> I believe that like Cornell may be able to be sanctioned by the NCAA or at least be an official D1 because this is a club team, which makes me think there is a non club version of cornhole and if that's the case if you win the sanctioned version even if it's not ncaa sanctioned similar to cheerleading i think you hang a banner for that i think but you gotta I, I don't just know if you hang it for the club championship i think they need to win like the official one and it it can't be in gallagher but it absolutely can go up in the colvin i mean if it's a club thing how funny would that be to get a banner hung for all the club teams that have ever won their national championship? I mean, all the way down to like, I don't know, uh, you know, hot dog eating contest. Hang them in the cold. I had, I had some friends that were on the rugby, the club rugby yeah, team. Rugby, yeah. hockey, I, hang them. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love that question too, Tyler. Thank you for that. Next up, we got Sam Butcher at GoPokes02. He says, what would be a successful season for OSU softball and baseball this year? 
I asked this last season, and I believe you guys said making the top four for softball and baseball hosting a super or making it to the College World Series. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see if your expectations have changed. So, Cade, we've actually talked a little baseball. You did last week by yourself. We talked about it two weeks ago. I put out some Twitter threads. Both Josh Holiday and Kenny Gajewski were on with Robert Allen this week. And I thought, actually, Robert Allen did a really good job in these interviews for something that I appreciated going position by position, especially with coach holiday and asking him who the starter was going to be and who's the backup there. So for baseball, I wanted to lay it out like this for you, Cade, and then we can make our prediction, but I wanted to kind of go through some of these highlights on why I think it could be a successful season for baseball. Last season, they won a share of the big 12 championship. They looked really good in the conference tournament in Arlington they're getting back. So all of their all Big 12 selections, Big 12 Newcomer of the Year, all that, Nolan Schubert, Carson Bench, Tyler Wolfert, Colin Bergman, those guys are all back. They were all second team. Tyler Wolfert was Big 12 Newcomer of the Year. We know Nolan Schubert's All-American honors. Carson Bench is a two-way guy. They get all of those guys back. They also get Ada Miola back from injury, who's going to take over for Riggio at second base. They've got Zach Earhart on his second season coming off an injury. We should see some improvement there. Ian Doherty, who was injured last season, but was supposed to be kind of splitting reps with Chase Atkinson, will be back at catcher. They don't lose a ton of production at the plate. The worries for me are Lane Forsythe taking over for Marcus Brown at short. We know Miola's a good third baseman, but taking over for Riggio at second. So kind of that middle infield. But everywhere else, they return every starter in the outfield. They get Bat Brueggemann, who was their DH and played a lot at first for David Mendham. They get Wolfert back, who was your everyday third baseman. And like I said, Doherty, who has a lot of experience at catcher, even though Atkinson was a great, great catcher and great hitter last season. For me, middle infield and pitching, but the thing about pitching is the pitching wasn't great last year. So if they can even slightly improve over that, I think they've got more power at the plate this year, inserting a guy like Miola into the lineup. Brueggemann as an everyday guy, Schubert as an everyday guy. If the middle infield and the pitching can just slightly, if the middle infield cannot take a drop off and the pitching slightly improve, I don't see why this isn't a super regional team again. Or I mean, a super regional team this year. I would. I agree. I I love the kind of uh, methodology of how you got there. I just have a lot of concerns about the pitching. I mean, I, and uh, it's more of, it's less of what they did last year, more that I just don't feel like they did a whole lot to improve it, and it was already disappointing yeah. last year. So it may be status quo, it may be the same. I don't know, but um, I like I like supers being the goal. I think that has to be the goal for Oklahoma State baseball. I mean, it is for programs like TCU and Tech. That's got to be Oklahoma State's goal every year. So, I'm going to predict right now a second seed in a regional, and I think they make it out and oh. get into a super. Nice. I yeah, think, so I think they make it out as the two seed. I, I like it. I For the sake of argument, I'll go second seed, and they don't get out. Yeah, love that. But we think we – think, Two or three seed in regional is realistic. Maybe not hosting this year, but yeah, I, I would. I, yeah, definitely doable for sure. Kato, flipping to softball, this is where I'm actually not going to be negative, 
But I just, where I called some things out for baseball, I wanted to call out for softball as well. You know, third in the conference, top 15, top 10 in almost every poll. Rachel Becker and Cheyenne Factor are both here as grad assistants, which is awesome because they're two really, really good players. Becker may be one of the best in recent history seasons, especially at the plate. In the field, though, if you remove Kilfoyle, who's going to be awesome at pitcher, let's talk about every other position. Outside of first base and third base, every position is going to have a new face there. Yep. So Caroline Wong, at catcher, the transfer from Liberty. Rosie Davis is who Kenny Gajewski said is going to start at second. Callan Edwards, who started in left, is now going to move to shortstop. Katie Lott, who played a lot in the outfield last, last season, no pun intended, but Steele will be in left field where Edwards started most of the season. Uh, Pollard, the transfer from McNeese, will be at center, and it sounds like Claire, Tim, and Wright. At first and third, you had Wark and Bloodworth. They only started for the first time last season, so you don't have any Kylie Naomi's, Cheyenne Factors, looking back two years ago, Sydney Pennington's, Chelsea Alexander's. You don't have any of these multi-year starters yeah. for Oklahoma State. And even though they have Kilfoyle, who I think is one of the best pitchers in softball, I like Kyra Aycock. I love Katie Kutz that's coming in as a young person. Ivy Rosenberry, it sounds like there's some improvement there. They've made some shakeups on the coaching staff. Losing Kelly Maxwell and not having yeah. any of those experienced players, I still think this is a team who makes it really far. But I could see either not making it to the College World Series or getting knocked out really early in the College World Series, which is still a great accomplishment, solely due to lack of experience. Yeah, I think you're dead on. As always, you make this really easy on me. But I, I mean, I agree. I think the veteran leadership that they lost this year is greater than they've lost in several years prior. And that's just hard to overcome when you didn't reload with a Kelly Maxwell in the transfer portal. Um, that's that is hard for me to see them you know, reaching the final four of the college world series or anything like that. So I don't, I actually won't pick them to even make it there. I think they make it to the supers, but I think that they could end up getting like, you know, a UCLA or somebody like that, where you just kind of run into a more experienced, powerful team. But I think Oklahoma state, this is, this is maybe a bit of a reload year and, and maybe they do surprise, maybe they do get there, but they're just going to be young. Like I, I think yeah, that that's I the expectation. I think the ceiling is still they could win it all, but it let's it consensus pick, let's say knocked out in the supers. I'm good to go with you on that. Okay. Okay. Cool. And we're probably gonna get some negative, a little bit of negative hate from softball. It would be awesome that, to but... be wrong, but we we've been pretty dead on with softball for the last couple of years. Yeah. Okay, wrapping it up with just a couple more. We'll do them quick. TX Pokes fan, TX Pokes underscore fan says, are y'all watching any wrestling? Wondering if you think number 54 is a possibility this year. Wrestling has been on a tear. They beat number 22, Northern Iowa. They beat number four, Iowa State. Literally every team they've beaten has been ranked. They're 10 and 0, 5 and 0 in the Big 12, ranked fifth right now, I believe. I think actually, I think they might have shot up. Oh yeah, they're number three, which is the highest ranking since the 2021-2022 season. I forgot that Missouri lost, who was number two. So Oklahoma State moved up even more. They've got Arizona State, who's number 24. They've got Missouri, who's number five. They've got South Dakota State, who's number 11. Number 22, OU. And then they wrap up with number two, Iowa, who's also unbeaten right now to wrap up the season. So a tough stretch, but man, if you're not watching Cowboy Wrestling, which is, 
I said Cowgirl Tennis is maybe a little difficult to watch on ESPN+. Plus. The production value for Cowboy Wrestling, I think, is awesome. I would definitely check them out. Yeah, and you're kind of talking to me. I, I, I just don't. I need to make the time. I really do. And uh, they, it seems as though they're having a fantastic year. I, They got a tough schedule. You just laid it out. But uh, it, it would be a good time to hop back on the bandwagon. Awesome. Well, we had a few more, but we're running a little short on time. Sorry that we didn't get to everybody's. Thank you guys so much for sending them in. Love the questions. We tried to hit some on other sports this time so we could talk a little bit more about that since we've got some questions. But thank you guys as always. Yeah, thank you, Dustin. Appreciate that. And thank you to all of our fantastic listeners for always sending in great questions. Looks like Cowboy Wrestling's got the Arizona State tonight, so that'll be a fun one to watch. I'll get I'll get on the bandwagon this evening. So, Dustin, thank you as always. It's nice to have you back. And if you're not already, you can follow Dustin at Dustragu. You can follow me at Cade Webb. And you can follow us at Feels Like 45 Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads. We will see you guys back here next week. Go Pokes.